From KIOS in Omaha, you're listening to Riverside Chats. I'm Tom Noblock, and today I'm talking with Lauren Martin, Executive Director of the Maha Festival. What we see when I talk about Maha as a platform to elevate Omaha, we sort of see music as the hook to get people there, which it will always be and is obviously the key part of the experience. But what makes Maha more the concert, where it's a festival, it's this connection point, this community building event, is all the other things that are happening there and the people you run into and the food you eat that's local, the drinks you have, the other organizations that are on site making really cool things happen. I mean, that's the that's the magic in Maha. Martin and I talk about making Omaha into an arts hub, keeping the context of that land itself in mind and what to expect at the Maha Festival on July 31st. Stay tuned for that conversation after this break. Listening to Riverside Chats, I'm Tom Noblock. That was People Everywhere Still Alive by headliner Krongbin. Lauren Martin, Executive Director of the Maha Festival, is here today. This year's festival is on July 31st, and tickets are available at MahaFestival.com. Martin and I talk about making Omaha into an arts hub and what to expect at this year's Maha Festival. Here is the conversation. Well, so Lauren, thanks for being here. Um, so I, I want to talk, I, I did a little bit of research into you, but part of it's kind of this balance of like, I don't want to know too much, but so you're from McCook originally, is that right? Mm-hmm. I imagine not a big music scene there. No, actually, uh, country and classic rock were my only, that was my only awareness of music growing up. I didn't know that there was a world beyond that. <laughs> <laughs> well, so yeah, country, I mean, anytime you get a little bit out of the big city, right? Country is the big thing. Why, why is that? I would love to know as well. Yeah. I'm sure there were other radio stations, maybe it just like the favorites around yeah. there, the best signal. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, were you into music as a kid in McCook? I was in that it was always on. My family always, you know, I, I can't, I don't have a memory where it wasn't in the background. So I don't know that I could specifically say I have a favorite, well, Garth Brooks maybe would have, and okay. Alan Jackson and George Strait. So maybe I did have <laughs> favorite artists, but I wasn't a... It, it wasn't like a, I want to be a musician or anything. Like, probably not any different than any other kid when you see someone on TV. I don't know. I mean, so did you ever go to concerts or anything like that? Not a lot. My first concert was Lori Morgan. Okay. Do you know who that is? No, I don't think so. She's a country artist. Okay, she's, yeah. I'm she's not, huh. Yeah. It, no, I, it, I think it was just like music as a soundtrack to life was probably where it started to shape me. So young you would mm-hmm. probably not have expected the trajectory that your life took then? No, probably not. I think I wanted to be an ice skater. Ice skater? Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's probably not a lot of those in McCook either. Right? <laughs> probably not. I don't know. <laughs> so, okay. So, the, 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 I mean, ice skating, but then eventually you go to UNL, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I assume that ice skating was maybe not what you studied there. Correct. Okay. What, what did you study at UNL? Well, I studied speech pathology, but UNL was really formidable. I was on the programming council there. And that, I love music, but what really drives me is bringing people together around shared experience, and music is such a uniting element that when I got to be on the programming council, I loved watching the audience reaction. Like, that was what, and and seeing all the people that come together to make events happen, that Mm -hmm. was what I realized, oh, I need to change my major from speech pathology. (laughs) I want to be, you know, I didn't know if I wanted to be a venue owner or, you know, what it would be for sure. But that was when it really clicked for me. Like, I want to do this however I can. Were there a lot of events that you were able to help plan then when you were in college? There were, yeah. I feel really lucky that I got to have that experience because I don't think I would have realized, like, oh, there's a job in that. I never saw anyone doing that job when I was growing up and could realize, like, oh, wow, that's that's something I want to go into. Well, so, I mean, my experience with live events is that they're generally pretty stressful behind the scenes, and you're trying to you're trying to express 0% of that stress. Can you see stage. into my soul right now? <laughs> I'm trying not to sweat. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's just like every it's just you kind of get used to it at a certain point, but everything seems to be going wrong one way or another and it's just like, "All right, how can we fix this? Fix that. Okay, okay, this will work. That'll work. Put them over here. Close that, you know, curtain or whatever." The fact that you even know that. Yeah, that's the <laughs> events are it's it's super weird to have a job that revolves around one time of year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so I mean, the, the, I guess where I'm going with that though is the the stress of that I think there's kind of like a high you get from doing it and pulling it off, right? But it also at first is probably kind of scary and unpleasant, right? But you, I mean, did you take to it immediately? Oh my gosh, I don't even know how to begin to answer <laughs> this. Um, I think that because I was introduced to it in a setting where it wasn't fully on me. So on the programming council in college, we had a lot of supports. Like I wasn't doing it all by myself. And I don't even think I had the full awareness of all of that. I just had sort of the adrenaline, the coming together, and, and I got that. In Maha now, it very much is. There are just so many moving parts. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of the high-risk, high-reward yeah. feeling that you're nailing when you're talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> so like, what, what did they have you do at those first couple, uh, like when you were in college, those first events? I don't know. I, if it's like the, the personal interest element or... I don't want to say the ego element, but I don't have another word for it. Um, I was really interested in who the entertainers would be. And so I, I drove into the booking element because I thought, depending on who the entertainers were, that's dictating um, you know, what the size of the event, who the audience is going to be, what the vibe is going to be there. And so I booked Jason Mraz as the musician and Kathy Griffin as the comedian the year that I, I was the entertainment coordinator, I think was my, I hope that's not wrong, and probably all the people that were on the council with me are like, Lauren, stop talking. <laughs> but um, uh, I thought that it was really fascinating to get to have sort of that like untouchable world and then bring it to UNL and have people come experience, you know, Jason Mraz wasn't, he, he was still on his upward trajectory back mm. then. And so it was really neat to get to have him come play a show at the Rococo, which is a really cool venue. Like all of those things, like picking the venue, really that whole experience, what comes into it, that was what was so fascinating for me. Well, and so, you I mean, working with people like that, were you starstruck at all? I was not from like a, I can't speak around them, almost more from a, whoa, they're a normal person, person. Like, <laughs> yeah. I didn't think they were going to be like, <laughs> I didn't think they'd talk to me, you know, yeah. like they'd be smoking weed in their dressing room or something. I don't know. Yeah. 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 In, in a different way than I probably thought I would be. Yeah. I had a friend who he did some event planning uh, and there was some, he helped with some event uh, where Larry the Cable Guy was there. Mm-hmm. And he, my friend does not love Larry the Cable Guy's sense of humor. Like, not that I, that didn't really matter in the in the context of doing the event. But Larry the Cable Guy kept trying to make him laugh. And I think it became this challenge where my friend, for some reason, like, I'm, like I'm, he's telling me the story that Larry the Cable Guy keeps doing more and more jokes to try to get a laugh out of him. I'm like, why don't you just politely laugh? Like, what, yeah. what, what, what are you going to be stubborn <laughs> about this? <laughs> You're making like him insecure. On shoulder. Yeah. yeah, he's the talent. Make him feel good. Um, but so, I mean, I assume it is kind of something you do learn just how to talk to those people and how to figure them out pretty quickly, right? But yeah. you, you found that you were, you were able to figure that out, I mean, and uh, get comfortable with it. I hope so. I honestly don't know. I'm super awkward in general, so who knows? <laughs> well, so you, you kind of decide that this is the direction you want to go in, and then that took you out of or out of Nebraska, right? Yeah. You have done your research. I read um, an article, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I moved. Well, so here was my awareness of the world at that time is if I want to do concerts, I go work for a giant company like Live Nation, and that's what I did. I moved to St. Louis. Um, I got an internship there. I ended up getting a job. They have... If anyone hasn't been to the pageant in St. Louis and you have an opportunity to see the show, I think they have a really fantastic venue. And I just, that was my awareness of like, oh, if I want to work in concerts, that's where I need to go. So I worked with the pageant and the amphitheater out there. And I I was not, I was doing very piddly <laughs> stuff in there. I was not doing anything meaningful, but I, I, in my mind, you know, I was doing it. Yeah, was, yeah. Yeah. So like, what, what was the trajectory that you were going for then at that point? <laughs> I wish I could tell you. I think it probably was, you know, being some cog in the wheel of a big corporation like that because I didn't know what all the options were. And I I can say that looking back on it at the time. I loved it. I still am super grateful for the experience. But on the flip side, to now be with something like Maha that's homegrown and so community focused, I can't imagine myself in a different setting than that. I mean, a lot of people, I don't know, it's it's kind of funny doing this show. Somebody told me that they think it's sort of the the subtext of it always is like why didn't you get out of Nebraska like what is it that brought you back here so I mean because like the, a lot of people don't make it out and some people it feels victorious if you do some people it's exciting to come back but like did you have a love hate relationship with Nebraska at that point I 
Everything you're saying is even kind of what we wrestle with at Maha because we want to be, we look at Maha. I'll get back to your answer to your question. Sorry. Take as long as you want. At at Maha, we see it as something that really is um, a platform for showcasing everything that I love about Omaha as someone that lives here. But when I was growing up, I didn't know all of those things that Omaha had to offer. And, And when we interact with people from other cities, unless they've spent any amount of time or know someone here, you know, it's insurance or football or Warren Buffett and all of those are good things but when you're trying to figure out why would I want to live somewhere those aren't necessarily the things that are like oh I want to live there because of insurance or something (laughs) you know um I I very much had that mindset it was I want to get out of Omaha and I saw St. Louis as a stepping stone and I figured also for any career in the music industry which was where my head was at at the time is I would need to end up on a coast or something Mm -hmm. like that and probably that's just like a fun fantasy to have when you grow up in Nebraska in general is like where will I go from here So I was working for Live Nation. It was 2008. The economy crashed. I lost my job. I came home. And my thought was, well, how long until I get to leave again? You know, Mm -hmm. this is just like temporary. Lo and behold, 2009, Maha was starting and my life changed. (laughs) So (laughs) that was the, yes, I thought I was going to get out of here. And then Maha and here in Nebraska at the time, there there were other things. And it was, I was starting to realize like, Omaha has all of these things. I get to be part of them here. Whereas if I was going to go on the coast, I would be, probably be working my, I don't know, that's my perception. But my thought was I would be working my way up for who knows how long to get into the job that I conceivably would want someday. And I could volunteer as a Maha person and be part of it right here. Well, so, I mean, when you came back then, I must have felt, you must have felt pretty down and definitely I mean, were you already looking for that kind of reevaluation of Omaha just because that's what you had in front of you or? There was a little bit. I had an opportunity um, that I that was also super formidable. I had um, interned with Saddle Creek Records Mm -hmm. and that was a really amazing experience where I was like, oh, wow, people are doing this work here. They took, you know, the the reputation that Saddle Creek Records helped shape for Omaha is huge. And I was very sad to be moving back to Omaha, (laughs) frankly, but trying to look on the bright side it was kind of a who do I know here what might I be able to do maybe this is another chance to get to see a side of Omaha that I mean I was just out of college um in St. Louis so I hadn't really branched out yet (laughs) if you will (laughs) so I mean how did Maha enter you know like what what was the first exposure to it you had a person who's now a very dear friend someone I consider a mentor one of the founders Trey Brashear was reaching out to get people involved with Maha before the very first event. He had gotten my name through a friend from college who knew I had been on the programming council and asked if I could help promote the festival at UNL because I was still young enough at the time that it could be a connection. (laughs) Um, And uh, friendship thankfully kind of blossomed somewhere out of that because I I was eager and, you know, if there's anything else I can do, I'd love to be involved. They were so in need of volunteers that year that I got to announce one of the bands um, at the very first Maha on stage because I think that's also something that's been instilled with me in Maha is we're so grateful for all the people that make it happen and that was something from the beginning and so I sort of just kept trying to get more involved within it because honestly it was the answer to what I was looking for no matter where I was going to go this is the thing I was going to try and be involved with and it was sort of right in front of me when I got back. But so I mean how long did it take before it became clear that you could have such an integral part of the whole thing? Oh a while so that so 2009 Maha started 2012 or 13 I got pretty heavily involved um, became a board member uh, was uh, learning a lot about Maha trying to figure out what it was um, wasn't didn't become ed until 2015 maha was entirely volunteer run until 2015 i was the second employee um that we ended up bringing on and i think that it was maybe always a hope if this could turn into a job i had a really wonderful job at the omaha community foundation that was kind of another thing that started to shape i didn't know that i could be part of a job in music or bringing people together that was actually going to be kind of community building or had more impact beyond just a concert Mm -hmm. and here in Nebraska the community foundation things like that started to shape like wow there could be more to this and lo and behold Maha was sort of the whole package that emerged. (laughs) Well I mean is there something specific about music and the way that people respond to being at a concert I mean compared to other you know like a play or something like that? For me personally there is I'm sure it's obviously different for everyone but I think that there is 
you know, music on the radio. I, I have a very emotional reaction to music, um, and it seems common. I, I don't know. I, I yeah. don't know how to answer that. Is, is it for you? Tell me. That, like, I, that I have an emotional? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, it is, and I, I don't know how to make it a, something that's easy to articulate, I guess. But, I don't either. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, but you're drawn to it, and I think a lot of people are drawn to it, but you, I mean, facilitating that kind of emotional response on a big level, that seems to be part of the goal, right? Totally. I mean, and that kind of like... It, the artists do it for you. You have to just provide the setting to not mess it up in mm-hmm. a way. And and what we see when I talk about Maha as a platform to elevate Omaha, we sort of see music as the hook to get people there, which it will always be and is obviously the key part of the experience. But what makes Maha more the concert where it's a festival, it's this connection point, this community building event is all the other things that are happening there and the people you run into and the you know, the the food you eat that's local, the drinks you have, the other organizations that are on site making really cool things happen. I mean, that's the that's the magic in Maha. The, the music is wonderful. You're going to love that. But you're probably going to remember a fun conversation you had more, you know, when you attend Maha every single year, which everybody <laughs> does, of course, year after year. Um, those are the things that are really kind of game changing. And it's been fun to see what what are sort of those uh, high level or high impact points for people? Because they're different. They're all across the board different. If you're just joining us, I'm talking today with executive director of the Maha Festival, Lauren Martin. This year's festival is on July 31st, and tickets are available at mahafestival.com. Well, so, I mean, for you to appreciate music in this way, you really never wanted to play it or tried to get into a band to make this happen for people? Maybe I was just really realistic about my abilities <laughs> from the beginning. I love, I mean, I. Actually, that's another one I miss. Growing up in McCook, um, singing in church was a huge deal. My mom played the organ. That was always my favorite part of church was the music. Um, and those little things, you know, I wouldn't have realized it at the time, but I, I knew I wasn't ever talented enough and probably didn't have the same drive. Like to be on stage and be in front of people was probably too anxiety inducing. Whereas if I can be in the background making something happen, I'm all about that. <laughs> Well, so, I mean, it sounds like church maybe and the, the connection you had with your mom, did that mm-hmm. help you start to appreciate the impact music can have and maybe start to intellectualize it a little bit more? Yes, you're articulating that way better than me. <laughs> yes, that's exactly okay. what it was. Okay. Well, so, and then when, when I guess in Maha starts in 2009, I mean, what was the music festival scene like in Omaha? Was there really much of one? I, no, that was part of the reason that the that Maha started, the founders came together realizing, one, there wasn't much of a music festival scene, and two, even the the touring, the music scene at the time, Slowdown had just been built a couple of years earlier, the waiting room was coming up, we had Sokol, CHI wasn't getting, you know, or whatever that was, the Quest Center or something back then, wasn't getting a lot through, and so I think the founders really saw an opportunity for how can we make this going back to South Creek, kind of capitalizing on like what already exists here. How can we grow that a little more? Was it scary though? I mean, cause I think part of what some people see when there's not like when there's a lack of that kind of scene, you think, well, maybe that's because there's just not a lot of interest for it. So like how, how, how did you develop the confidence to turn it into what it would end up becoming? Well, it definitely wasn't me. It's been, and will always be a whole lot of people. So I feel really lucky to just like have been part of it, but I, I'm, I think what other people were also seeing at the time is we have a lot of local talent here as well. And so it's kind of how can we elevate that simultaneously? We want to have touring people coming through, we want to bring that excitement, but we also want to, you know, export and showcase the incredible talent that we have here. And I'm guessing it was a lot of different people's passions coming together to answer your question, like what gave the confidence? I think there was a different element that was probably driving everyone to come together and really dedicate how can we make this happen or how get dedicated to how can we make this happen. So who were some of the exciting local bands that came up through Maha? Oh my goodness. Just, I'm, I'm going to speak personally here just <laughs> for this, but Icky Blossoms. I know that Maha, you know, it's up to them whether or not Maha had any influence on it. But um, 2013, it rained during Maha. It rained a little bit during the Icky Blossom set and the sun was going down. And I believe that they literally like pulled the sun down from the sky during their set. It was just the best performance. And um, Twin Smith, I know that they're not together anymore. That was, there were, you know, there are another big performances. Laura Byrne, I, 
used to live in Omaha, you know, with minor birds, having some of those. It's hard to know what impact Maha is necessarily having on the local artists. I think that's different for people. But in terms of having, I guess, like it's going through head, like Marcy Yates when Dilla could <laughs> perform Mean Streets, like there, there's, I think that it does something to be able to celebrate that talent being from Omaha at Maha. I think it's a, and I'm speaking personally, so I have no, somebody could be listening and be like, no, it's not. <laughs> I don't know, but from from our experience, and and even being part of trying to be intentional in in um, having local artists and incorporating like the Omaha Girls Rock bands that play every year. Oh my gosh, that I mean, that they sang with Jenny Lewis in 2019. I mean, I just don't know if it gets better than that from my perspective. <laughs> so sorry, I'm rambling. No, 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 no. It's, I'm, I'm excited seeing how excited you get just thinking about all of this. I mean, that you're, you're, you're like a living embodiment of the thing that you're trying to sell to all the people. If, if I could just bottle this up, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm just <laughs> well, okay, so as, as it develops then, how did it change between like 2009 and as you get closer to 2020? Yeah, I think that um, Omaha has changed a lot between 2009 and where we are now in 2021. So where Maha in a lot of ways, um, you know, we struggle with like Maha's more than a music festival, but how do you articulate that necessarily? When we realize Maha being a platform for engagement, for elevating Omaha and showcasing it, that led us to consider what other avenues of entertainment or connection make sense. So in 2018, that was um, the kind of bringing under the Maha umbrella what was formerly the Big Omaha Conference. Um, and that was that same idea that had been a celebration of innovation and entrepreneurship and, and you know ideas getting started. So it was how can we take that same idea? And I'm not saying we're getting it right or figuring it out, but um, music will always be the focal point of Maha. That will, that will be what makes sense. But how can we continue to take the things that are unique to Omaha and showcase them is the question that I think we're trying to answer it becomes another element of answering that question is how is Omaha developing? So there's all this emphasis on the riverfront, for example. So where is the place that makes sense for Maha to occur in a way that can incorporate all of the the cultural elements or the entertainment or you know whatever the aspects are that make sense? And those are a lot of community conversations we're trying to have. There's a lot of the, the volunteer involvement. We want everyone's input because to your point earlier about all the stress and all the things coming together, it takes so much to pull it off that we're trying to figure out strategically where should it go so that it continues to to be something that Omaha can be proud of and is really impactful here. Well, and so, I mean, let's see, you have on the site, it talks about, uh, it's a showcase for art installations, film screenings, speaker events, fashion shows. I mean, so how do you, how do you I mean, how, how have you decided to incorporate those with the music in a way that feels sort of seamless and organic? Well, that's part of our vision, so we haven't done that yet, okay. and that is a good question <laughs> that we're trying to answer. I mean, ideally, it's um, working with the entities that exist here, like Film Streams is an incredible asset to the community. So when we think about film, those are conversations that we want to have with that entity. When we think about the fashion shows, we have um, had like w- we had an event that took place at the Omaha Design Center, and the, the fashion week that goes on here is one of the largest in the country, amazingly. And so it's how can we have conversations and understand, is there alignment between what we're trying to do and if so how can we come together so we haven't figured that out yet but those are the those are the questions that honestly like i i want to spend a lot of time answering now as we go forward so i mean is the, is there a specific vision for what that might look like like does it turn into like it's a it's a film festival it's a comedy festival it's, it's all these things in one or like yeah. each day is something different that's a great question. Um, maybe you can help me articulate this too. But the way we've been framing it now is Omaha's version of South by Southwest. Okay. South by Southwest is something a lot of people generally know is it's this kind of all-encompassing event. And we're not just trying to take what they do there and plop it in Omaha. It has to make sense for what it is. But when you start to think about, oh, all those things can occur at once, um, they can be, you know, Austin and South by Southwest is synonymous to a lot of people when you think about what that event is, where it occurs. If we could possibly get to that level where Maha, or I don't know if it's named something in the future when you bring all these things to it, but it, you know, if, if that's when, when people think of Omaha, so then it's insurance, Warren Buffett 
football, Maha. <laughs> Those are the things that, that oh, I, they have all these artists there. They have all these cultural interactions. They have this, actually, I'm, I'll ramble just a little bit on this, but a huge part of what makes Maha possible is the sponsorship support. And incredibly, so many of our sponsors support Maha because they use it as a tool for their talent attraction and retention. Either internally, they want to use it as a way to give back to their employees, or they see it as an opportunity to show, like, this is a place to work. Like, a lot of what Maha is aligns with the culture we have here, and that's how they're kind of getting their brand in front of people. And so it's kind of furthering that Omaha is a place where the opportunities that I'm looking for, the type I'm type of life I'm looking for, Maha kind of is like a sampler of that. Yeah, so I mean, it's sort of beyond the festival and it's turning Omaha into a big arts hub like of the Midwest, right? Yeah, which in my opinion, it already is. People just don't really know it on the level that I think they should yet. Well, that's exciting. Um, Well, I've noticed on the site as well, there's an interesting element here with the land acknowledgement, right? So Mm -hmm. talking about, it seems like the name itself, the the Maha comes from the wandering nation. So I mean, Mm -hmm. I, I guess a question I have is, how do you acknowledge some of that history? How do you incorporate that in a way that feels meaningful and respectful? That's an ongoing exercise, I will say, that I don't think we've gotten quite right yet. We, um, it is something that I don't think we've always done the best job of either, but in understanding where the name comes from, where the name of Omaha comes from in the same way. Um, having 2019, we took the there was an actual land acknowledgement on site, and I think it was a really powerful moment before all of the events that um, started. Actually, one of the members of the Omaha tribe, Taylor Keene, was kind enough to come and and do that land acknowledgement for us and kind of help everyone have that awareness. And so at minimum, it's the understanding, the awareness, how we can continue to be, a, like, acknowledging, like the land acknowledgement, acknowledging the land we're on, the what has made some of this possible over the years for us to have a community that we have here now is really important to us. And I'm rambling because we're we're still working on figuring out how to do that and having the right conversations. Well, it seems that's pretty unique, right? I mean, I I don't know that I've been to many festivals where there's an attempt to try to do something like that, right? Oh, cool. I hope so. I hope it becomes more popular, not popular, but more prominent. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, I mean, I think it's it's difficult. A lot of people don't know what to do with that type of history because of a lot of it is so ugly. And it's just you're not right. sure. Do we want to bring that in? Do we want to open that door? If we do open it, are we going to do something you know disrespectful or dumb? Right? No, and and we likely have and very. I mean, we have conversations about our name Maha, and so acknowledging that that is our name, it came from the history of Omaha. We we have to acknowledge the good and the bad with it. Right. I'm talking with Lauren Martin, Executive Director for the Maha Festival. This year's festival is on July 31st, and tickets are available at MahaFestival.com. What issues are on your mind this week? We're starting a new feature here, a kind of letter to the editor, where you can call in and speak your mind in a brief voicemail to 402-881-0089 for a chance to be featured on one of our upcoming shows. Riverside Chats will be back after this break. Here is We Are Warriors by Edam Soul Music, local artist. In the battle of the morning We find ourselves at times in mourning For what we were against is not flesh It is the things in dark places that make us fall Welcome to Back Row Center, a podcast from Filmstreams, an art house organization in Omaha, Nebraska. I'm Filmstreams Communications Director Patrick Kinney, and I'm joined by Dana Ryan, Filmstreams Development Manager, and Diana Martinez, Filmstreams Artistic Director. Dana, will you tell us more about what to expect from Back Row Center? Every month, the three of us will come together to talk about what's happening at Filmstreams and in the larger film world. Our theaters are places where we use film to put different art forms in conversation with each other and springboard important discussions about identity, politics, and art with moviegoers of all ages. 
We're excited to bring these conversations to you in a brand new format and hopefully have some fun in the process. As many of you may know, we've been going nonstop since our closure in March due to coronavirus. From our slate of virtual events and Q&As to weekly new releases available on our site, we're excited for a more personal way to bring you all in closer to the heart of our organization by hearing straight from the people behind the scenes. You'll get to know the three of us, as well as the rest of the Filmstream's crew, as this podcast develops. Even though we're closed, we still believe in the power of film as a collective, communal experience. So subscribe to the podcast through whichever platform you listen, and we encourage you to tell us your thoughts about future topics, the films we talk about, and stuff we need to watch through our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're at Filmstreams everywhere. Until next time, we'll see you in the best seats in the house, Back Row Center. My name is Audrey Crane, and over the weekend I was in Elmwood Park, uh, which has the, the main road through the park closed. It's not a big deal. There's lots of ways around the park, but it was so nice to be running. I ran right down the middle of the road and imagined roller skaters and rollerbladers and kids on bikes and things like that on the road with me. A lot of cities closed a major road through a big park on the weekends for like one of the weekend days to give people a chance to enjoy it, food vendors and picnickers and things like that. And I think it would be amazing if Omaha did that. Maybe Sundays from eight to five, we could take the park back from cars and just let other kinds of people enjoy it. Thanks. Bye. And welcome back to Riverside Chats. I'm Tom Noblock, and I've been doing this show for a little while now. Check out the backlog of Riverside Chats wherever you get podcasts. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever your favorite app is. We love hearing what issues are on your mind on Riverside Chats in our Letter to the Editor feature, where you can call in just like Audrey did with a brief voicemail to 402-881-0089 for a chance to be featured on one of our upcoming shows. Today I'm talking with Lauren Martin, Executive Director of the Maha Festival. This year's festival is on July 31st, and tickets can be purchased at MajaFestival.com. Here's the rest of our conversation. It seems like things have gone really well, right? I mean, that trajectory of 10 years there, it's its gotten bigger and bigger, probably a lot more stressful over the years, right? Uh, and then 2020 has got to be a massive curveball, right? I mean, what was that like? That's a good question. Um, I guess misery loves company as far as that goes. You know, it wasn't just... All- Maha that got canceled it in a lot of I guess it there's there's so many silver linings that I think we're continuing to see um it was unfortunate to not have the event but to give us a little bit of breathing room and think through you know a lot of the questions you and I have been talking about um to consider those to kind of have a natural pause I've heard the I've heard the um pandemic referred to as the great pause like or mm-hmm. kind of and so I I guess, and maybe it's, we're just choosing, there's so much opportunity that's come from it that, of course, we would have loved to to have had the event every year, but it didn't, you know, our, the community of people that come together to make Maha happen, like, they're all still there. Everyone was still in touch with each other. If anything, it might even be stronger on the other side because we've gone through it now. Mm-hmm. So that's been pretty beautiful on the other side. Was it difficult for you to not have that big, stressful thing that you pulled off? Something fascinating on a personal level is I became a mom during the pandemic. And so a silver lining for me is that I didn't have that big stressful <laughs> thing when I had a different stressful thing, stressful, amazing thing right. going on. And I would have been seven months pregnant during the festival. So I'm kind of, I don't know any different, um, yeah. but I'm maybe <laughs> grateful for having not been seven months pregnant during Maha in 2020. Yeah, that sounds like that would have been uh, quite a lot to yeah. deal with. I yeah. mean, on top of already, it feels like probably too much every year, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So this year then, you had some time. Well, I mean, were there, I know we've talked about various changes you guys are trying to implement, but what does it look like this year? And is it different from previous years? It is different from previous years. And a lot of that has been affected by the pandemic. So in 2019, we came out of a five-day event, which had an opening night where we were partnering with the businesses in Little Bohemia and kind of having a block party feeling. Then we had a conference and then we had two days at the music festival. 
um, because of the uncertainty that lingered into early this year, we didn't know there was a time in January and February where we didn't know if we were going to have an event at all. And so it is the one day fully outdoor music festival. Um, we've been really careful with our site plan, our capacity limits, things like that, because even though we're so grateful that vaccination rates have dramatically increased from when we were kind of setting these plans to figure out if we could go forward with them. We know comfort levels are still, you know, wide ranging and we just want, it's so important and we see this year specifically as probably one of the biggest celebrations that Maha will have ever been. Not that it hasn't been every year, but to get to bring everyone back together again when we know what it's like to not have that so acutely it is just it's so important that we be intentional with it, that we try and do it right. We Even to the bands that were booked, it was, you know, what's that kind of vibe that you're trying to create so that it is really just that feel good. When you look back on it, I always think about things like with soundtracks in your mind, but when you look back on it, you know, it's just, I think it's going to be a really, really beautiful fun day and I probably sound like such a goober saying all this. What, what, <laughs> what's the soundtrack that's playing? Do you have a song in mind? Um, I have Japanese breakfast. Actually, I have all the different artists in mind. I have like <laughs> Matt Cox in mind, probably because I've been listening to the Spotify playlist and <laughs> to help ease my stress level. We have dance parties at night to just kind of shake out the anxiety. <laughs> Sorry. I'm like such a nerd. <laughs> Once again, I think it's the excitement of it all. It's, it's exciting it's to watch. It's yeah, right yeah. now. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, I mean, it, it must have been difficult for you then in 2020. I know you had things like having a kid, so, you're, mm-hmm. you, you know, your life is going to be a little bit different no matter what. But to not be able to have that big uh, connection with all the people in some in, in any capacity, really, that year, right? You keep nailing it. That was what I was most heartbroken over last year is, <clears throat> excuse me, these people, I mean, we call it a Maha family and not, it's true. Like, these are people I care about deeply. I love spending time with. We're, we are bonded from the things that have gone through. And so that was the biggest bummer was just, it. I didn't get to see all them. Oh, and the weather was perfect on when it would have been Maha. So that was kind of like salt in the wound. But yeah, I'm, the, getting to bring the people back together is is definitely the highlight of this year for me. Even outside of Maha, have you gone back to any concerts or events with crowds at all? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, I think um like grateful for being vaccinated and so starting to have that is oh man, so good for my soul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I went to a movie for the first time, I don't oh. know, maybe a month ago. And I don't I think it might have been a bad movie, I really can't tell. I just I was having so much fun being in a theater with people. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I I get that. I did think, you know you needed it? I, I feel like I did, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I'm, I'm around, like, you know, people around me are sort of like, yeah, I don't need to go to movies anywhere. I can just watch it on TV. And I was like, no, 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 there's something about it. The experience, yeah, yeah, same. Yeah, and so it's, you know, it's like I was saying, it's a, it could have been a really bad movie, but I had so much it fun. It was a great experience. Mm-hmm. And I guess that, that's all that really matters. Yeah, right? yeah. So, okay, so this year, uh, who are some of the who are some of the bands that you're excited about? Oh, my gosh. Every single one of them. <laughs> I'm... Today, you could probably ask me tomorrow and it might be different, but today the band that I'm really excited for is Shovels and Rope. I don't know. I, I can't tell you why. Sorry. I, it just is. That's today. <laughs> I really am. Like, that's the okay. okay. And you, so you said you have a, a Spotify playlist of mm-hmm. the bands that will be playing there. Mm-hmm. So you listen to that and you say it's like to deal with the stress, but I imagine it's because it's connected to that stress also. Is it? Yeah, is it's it like a, it's, probably kind of twisted, isn't it? Yeah, is it, to, is it to push you in like a productive kind of stress? I think it's like this is what it's for. And it's not just the band. Like the bands are phenomenal and I'm so excited for them. But it's knowing that like it's that crowd. I remember when Duckworth hit the stage in 2019, it was like everyone was moving to the beat at the same time. It was like the whole crowd was a wave. And, and that's when I listen to this music, that's what I'm picturing. So when I hear the Shovels and Rope song today – that's this feeling that I know it's going to to be on July 31st that I'm just so excited for. Well, are there other people? I know you, you talked about volunteers and you guys are looking for some more. And since you talked about how you started off kind of in a volunteer capacity, mm-hmm. have there been people who have followed a similar trajectory to you who've kind of been able to get involved with this sort of thing? And It's, yes, and it's my greatest point of gratitude. Like, it's very much up there in my life with the things I'm most grateful for. It's really amazing how people might get involved. Even for me, you know, I, I could have been attracted to the music, but it was the people that really kept me there. And so we've had individuals who have signed up as a day of show volunteer, and now they're help. actually pretty much all of them, they're helping us in like a 
paid capacity to to pull off the festival or they just get more and more involved and it's they might have a specific interest level but because they're the ones that pull it off then they have this full awareness of making maha what it is so any positive experience i will say specifically and any negative experience we take to heart and figure out but it's all the experiences that happen are the result of all these different people's thoughts and ideas and experiences that are playing into how can we make it better, more impactful, more exciting. And then the negative experiences are also our fault, mostly my fault, but we are always very interested with this team of people. Like we have to make it better. What can we do to make it better? Has there ever been something like a story from one of the previous festivals where you really weren't sure you'd be able to pull it off and make it look seamless and normal and you, you somehow miraculously did it? Oh my gosh. There's so many. I mean, it probably feels like that every year, right? It does. It, and it really does come down to these people who care so much to give their time because no one's willing to let it fail, if that makes sense too. So there's probably a list of things right now where I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to get it done. And I've got two incredible coworkers, Emily and Rachel, who are, and Matt. I have three incredible coworkers. Matt's part-time. That was why I said that. I didn't mean to do that. Matt, you're the best. <laughs> um, who who are giving all this time. And so anytime there's a problem, it's sort of like, how are we going to address this? And then it's, oh, well, let's bring so-and-so into the conversation, any of our volunteers, and people just take it and make it happen. Here is a really fun example, and I probably shouldn't even talk about this, but it's the coolest thing. <laughs> so Japanese Breakfast asked if she could have a puppy backstage because touring artists – they, you know, like, what are your comforts? What are the things that, that make you want to enjoy? And then the other thing they do is sort of to, like, check, are you actually reading the materials that we send you? Like, are you paying attention to what we're asking you? So one of our volunteer coordinators, Emily, was on the phone with the Nebraska Humane Society today trying to line up a puppy for Japanese breakfast. Oh, like she wanted a new puppy, not, like, to have her puppy? No, no, like, she wanted us to organize so a puppy would be there that she could just play with and have fun (laughs) with at the festival. And that our volunteers are so dedicated to making this happen, and it's so important that we ensure our artists, our attendees, like, everyone have the best time possible. That's how hard they're working on it right now, like... So what's the what's the status of the puppy? So so the message that we got from our volunteer, Emily, was just had a really promising call with the Nebraska Humane Society. Stay tuned. So. <laughs> That's crazy. That's the thing that I, I love that kind of story because it never in my wildest dreams would I know you could just, yeah, just can you give me a puppy for a little bit? I mean, then... I'm a, like maybe shouldn't be talking about this, honestly. <laughs> I have hunched shoulders and I hope – that when people hear this, they're like, Lauren, what is this? I might be in trouble for that, but yeah. Well, yeah, I don't want to drag you into like, you know, uh, talking about the weird requests of certain people, but mm-hmm. I think that, that's a fun one. Right? It is a, nice a fun one. one. Yeah. yeah. So so that one's a unique one. I was telling sort of glitter glue. There was a band that asked for that one year and they were so blown away that we actually provided them the glitter glue. Like they just had the best time and they made us thank you notes out of the glitter glue. It was really meaningful. <laughs> If you're just joining us, I'm talking today with Executive Director of the Maha Festival, Lauren Martin. This year's festival is on July 31st, and tickets are available now. Well, and so uh, you also talked to, or wanted to talk about how Maha is a nonprofit, right? So how does that factor into the whole equation? I think that the baseline is that Maha was not started to be profitable in a way that, that money was making it better. It was started to be profitable in terms of its benefit to the community, and it's really, I mean, just it kind of goes through every vein of Maha that this is about elevating the community, bringing people together, making an impact, showcasing what we're proud of, what we love here. And so it's it's interesting that, you know, a lot of the major festivals, there are only a handful that are nonprofits in the nation. And so it's it, it's interesting working in an industry like the music industry. So, for example, our artist costs are three to four times what it would be if an artist was just coming through touring and, and playing one show on their own. So there's a lot of dynamics on the back end that are impacting things that make sponsorship incredibly important to Maha even existing for us trying to keep our prices you know, reasonable for attendees to buy tickets and things like that. But at the end of the day, it really is about how can we have a have a better impact on Omaha than if Maha wasn't existing. And is that something that's been a firm, uh, you know, decision from the very beginning? It has been. And it's really cool because it was, it was four people that came together to come up with Maha in the first place. And now it's hundreds and hundreds that come together to make it happen. And, 
it might be kind of, you know, like we talked about, someone might volunteer for Maha because they really like the lineup that year. They get the free ticket, they get the t-shirt, whatever it might be. But the reason that they come back the next year is because it was something bigger than that. It wasn't just like, oh, I got my ticket, now I'm good. Right. And you guys are still looking for more volunteers this year. We are looking for more volunteers. We even, um, our social media channels, if you want to check out Maha Festival on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, um, two of our volunteers just did a pint-sized podcast that went live that kind of talk about the behind the scenes of volunteering that it really is. It's just it's so fun. And you do get to enjoy the rest of the festival too. So in exchange for a little bit of time, you're you're enjoying the event, which is going to be fun regardless. But I think that the volunteering aspect of Maha is pretty awesome. And anyone can go to mahafestival.com to sign up to volunteer. So like, what are some of the things these volunteers would be doing? So bartending is actually um, one of the things that we're specifically interested in. And, and it's cans because of COVID. We're not even opening the cans this year. Um there is um, a phone charging station that you're helping with. There's Ferris wheel individuals who we've got the Werner wheel on site. And so it's a free ride, but kind of just making sure the line moves smoothly. We have um, individuals who are welcoming people, scanning their tickets. There's a pretty wide array of volunteer involvement, actually. And so, I mean, is it, you think it's just a kind of a hesitation with COVID? People are kind of getting back into doing things? Yeah. We've had, um, I mean, so we're looking for about 600 volunteers total, so it's pretty big, and, and we've got most of the shifts filled. But it is, it has been kind of interesting. Um, this has been a really kind of out of the gates big year for ticket sales in a way that, uh, I'll be totally honest, it, like ticket sales haven't always flown out the door like they have this year. And so it might be something that we won't know until later, but I kind of wonder if some people are like, no, I'm, I'm all about the experience. I don't know. Yeah. We, we have had a really positive volunteer turnout, but we are still seeking more volunteers. So it sounds like people are ready for a big concert right now. I think so. Yeah. I am. Yeah. Are you? I, I don't know. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know, I, I am not as big of a concert person as you are, I think. I I am able to appreciate music without having to have the huge communal thing. But kind of like we talk about theaters, it is a real, it's a, it's a different experience when you are experiencing with a lot of other people. Um, I, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I'm ready for it, but I, I guess I, I'm probably not as versed in concerts as you are. So I, I feel like we're not, we're not really... You know, you're, you're ahead of me in understanding all, how all that works. <laughs> I don't know if that's a thing, but what I have always loved about Maha for what it's worth is that it's a big kind of experience and event, but it's still intimate on the scale of festivals. So if you have like a pretty small, or excuse me, a pretty large personal bubble, you can still feel comfortable at Maha. Like you can be up in the crowd, you can be really in it, or you can kind of be back like on the hill and take it all in. That's one of my favorite. When Lizzo, our biggest audience ever in 2019, Watching it from the back was like just, oh, I don't even have words for it. It was so amazing. <laughs> well, I know we said at the beginning that young you might be surprised at your trajectory, but I, I keep going back and just picturing you listening to, you know, the organ at church and maybe having a similar kind of, maybe a little less dramatic version of this experience, right? I love talking with you so much that you could even pull all that together. I never, I didn't think of it that way, but yeah, I think I've, I'm still in awe of it in the same way that I probably always have been. It it still surprises me, though. Why why don't you play the organ? Why don't you play some music? See if you can do it. Maybe I didn't. I I took piano lessons for a lot of years, and maybe I just didn't want to put in the work. It's really hard. the same kind of work. It is really hard. I took piano lessons as a kid, too, and I just... I didn't have the patience to play the same song badly, like, 200 times to finally play it okay. I wish I... Like, maybe it was even just the fact that, like, the pressure of having to go back to my lesson next week and be like, did you learn the song? Can you play it well or not? Like that, for whatever reason, that kind of pressure was not the kind that I wanted, but the putting on the event of pressure is apparently the kind of pressure I want. Who knows? I don't know. Well, it, it is kind of mechanical when you do the lessons too. You're like, did you figure it out? And it's like, this is, uh, you know, even if I figured it out, it's not a profound experience. Yeah. When I see the artists on stage, I feel like they have something that I don't have. And it's not a good or bad thing that I don't have them. I just have something different mm-hmm. inside of me than what they have. And so I want to help them do their thing really well. Yeah, you're like a conductor of sorts. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, okay. Uh, what else haven't we talked about that's, that you're excited about this for the festival that's coming up? Um, I have touched on it briefly, but... So the volunteers come together to make Maha happen. Obviously, the attendees are like a huge part of bringing the energy to the event. Our sponsors are 
freaking phenomenal. And this is another thing where Maha is such a homegrown community event where other major festivals, and I'm all about other major festivals too, like Bonnaroo, Lollapalooza, all day long. Those are awesome. But they have um, really big national level sponsorships. And we don't have those. We have local companies who believe in what Maha is and they support us by making it happen. They give us resources to make it happen. And and they bring the people, they bring the excitement, they promote Maha. I'm just so grateful for all of the sponsors that make Maha happen because it really, when I think about like sitting in the back of the audience and seeing everyone, it's not just the people, it's all of the entities, it's all of the work, it's the time that people gave, it's the, the fact that they cared about it enough to to make it happen. There's a lot of things that excite me about Maha, sorry. <laughs> but that's a really big one. I know you said tickets were going fast, but there's still tickets, I assume, right? There are still tickets, yeah. They're going fast. We've got three weeks left. How, do you, how do you get a ticket if you want one? MahaFestival.com. And, uh, yeah, so uh, I I don't know that I have anything else we have to talk about other than I, I've appreciated your excitement and getting to know you. Uh, and I know we've talked about the stress that you're about to go through as it's happening. So I hope it's – I hope it is the reward of, like, you know, I guess at this point years of, you know, the stress relief of pulling it off. I, I'm excited for you, I guess is what Thank I'm saying. You. I've really enjoyed talking, and I really appreciate you've kind of given me a little break of perspective of reminding me how – the stress is completely worth it. And of course I love it. And yeah, thank you. I really enjoyed talking with you and appreciate that you all were even willing to do this. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Riverside Chats is a production of KIOS 91.5 FM Omaha Public Radio. The show is produced and edited by Courtney Bierman. Our original music is written and performed by The Real Zebos. Our artwork is done by Ben Matukowitz. Remember that you can find the backlog of all of these conversations wherever you get podcasts. Subscribe today and please leave us a review. Also, remember, we're trying out a new feature here, a kind of letter to the editor where you can call in about what Omaha issue is on your mind this week. Leave us a brief voicemail at 402-881-0089 for a chance to be featured on one of our upcoming shows. As always, thank you for listening. I'm Tom Noblock. Here is Be Sweet by Japanese Breakfast. <laughs>